Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Whom God Has Joined by Isabel Kuhn with permission of OMF International. We are in Chapter 19, the last chapter, The Ticklish Question. The time was now approaching when our daughter must enter school, and we ourselves were due to return to the field. How can the child of missionaries, especially pioneer missionaries working on a far and primitive field, get an education? This is the most ticklish of all missionary problems, and feelings run deep and warm on the subject. To keep a child alone among adults, especially one of Kathy's gregarious disposition, was positively cruel. The way she trembled with delight at the idea of playmates stabbed my heart. To let her continue to play with the Lesu children was also out of the question. I remembered the words of the fellow worker, a child of the mission who had warned me not to expose my child to the immoral things she might see and hear from the native playmates. I'd give anything if I could wipe out some of my childhood memories, she had said. My parents were good missionaries, but they thought if they put the work first, God would take care of the children. The wife of our general director had also warned me along those lines shortly after I arrived in China. With tears in her eyes, she shared her own experience. The training of children to know the Lord is also the Lord's work, she had said. I felt this was the voice of the Lord to me, especially as I'd already felt that before God. I was surely more responsible for the souls I brought into existence than those someone else did. But the ticklish question had been answered only theoretically. The child's spiritual welfare must take precedence over everything else. It did not answer the question of where Catherine should get her education. Sifu, the famous CIM school for missionary children, was in a beautiful and healthful spot by the seashore with all kinds of recreation available. It was staffed by missionaries whose educational qualifications were of the best, their supreme concern for the spiritual care of their pupils. The majority of the children saw their parents at least once a year, usually going home for a prolonged Christmas holiday. Parents in faraway pioneer places where travel took so much time were expected to ask the children to be sent to them only twice in two years. Although this was lengthened more than once because of war, longer separations were not CIM's intent. Our own girlie was separated from us for six years at one stretch because of the Japanese war, when the Japanese interned her with her school. Though they never captured us, we were not able to get her. She was satisfied, however, that the separation was not anything we could help. To me, the most important thing is that the child is convinced of the unwavering love of Daddy and Mommy, convinced that nobody or nothing in the work could ever compete in their affections. If the little heart is convinced of this, it will snuggle down and gain the sense of security a child needs. But if the parents do not write regularly, what is a child to think? Even if the child shows little interest in the parents' letters, often preferring to play, the fact that the love words have come, as usual, gives an unconscious satisfaction. The child also naturally expects that her parents will make every effort possible to see her or have her home for holidays. Parents engrossed in their work may not realize how their child counts on this. If the parents are supremely concerned about the child, the opportunity would not be neglected, no matter how inconvenient. If the child is assured that her parents' love for her only second to the Lord himself, she can take a painfully lengthened separation and not be discouraged, her faith unshaken. So we came to the conclusion that CIM school was the way for us. Now came the preparation for the child's heart. We did not spring it on Catherine. When I told her that Shifu school meant lots and lots of children to play with, she clapped her hands with anticipation and joy in every possible way. I tried to build up a love for Shifu before she went. I think it's important. 
Children catch attitudes from their parents. If the parent is secretly rebellious and critical, the child will sense it, and there is little possibility the child will fit in happily no matter how the teachers try to help her. We prayed continually that Kathy would be happy at Shifu school, sincerely desiring what our lips asked of God. She was. Since Catherine had passed her sixth birthday while on the first furlough, we faced putting her in Shifu school as soon as we returned. But on the eve of the departure in 1937, the war with Japan broke out. Shifu's waters were declared too dangerous for us. An alternative was to take her to Yunnan and put her in the intermission school. Her aunt, Catherine Kuhn Harrison, lived in Kunming, and Catherine would board with her and her husband. So we sailed from Vancouver, having to go to Japan first and then transship to Hong Kong. This took some weeks, and as war tensions relaxed, it was found that Butterfield and Swar ships were going safely between Hong Kong and Shifu. Just at that time, the mission decided to call Miss Grace Liddell from Yunnan temporarily to fill the place at Shifu staff. She would be transshipping at Hong Kong at the same time we would, so it was planned that she would escort Catherine to Shifu. Therefore, on our arrival in Hong Kong, where we had expected to continue to Hanoi together as a family, I was handed a telegram before we even disembarked. It read something like this. Liddell will escort Catherine Kuhn to Shifu from Hong Kong. Miss Liddell herself came out in a launch to meet us and tell us gently that the ship was due to leave three days from now. It was a severe shock to me because I had been so unprepared for it. I had been making plans to put Catherine into a small school in Kunming, which would be so much nearer to us. After reading the telegram, I went down to our cabin to get Catherine ready. She was asleep in the top bunk, her pretty curly lashes dark against the soft pink cheeks. As I stood there and gazed at her, the thought came, You'll never again have the joy of caring for her, watching her grow and develop. I was pierced to the depths. A little box of Bible promises lay on the bed table. I seized it and cried in my heart, Oh God, speak to me. I drew out Ecclesiastes 11.1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. I felt it was his voice saying, Cast your child upon me, I will take care of her, and after many days you shall have her back again more securely yours in heart and spirit than ever she was in mere flesh. I cannot tell you how it comforted me. I clung to it, but because I continually dwelt on what I was losing, I was in torture. This was the last time I gave her a bath, the last time I buckled her sandals, the last time I combed her hair. Never can I forget the agony of those hours in Hong Kong when we said goodbye and after the ship pulled out. Miss Liddell was everything I could have wished for and more. Long before they reached Shifu, Catherine had learned to love her like her own aunt. It meant that at Shifu, among the staff, there was one who was like a mother to her, one who was familiar and brought familiar comfortings. As for me, John's kindness and patience is a memory for which I can never cease to bless God. For the 24 hours after Catherine left and before our own ship was due to leave, he walked the streets with me. He never seemed to weary. He just stayed with me until I was so physically exhausted I could lie down and drop into oblivion. How grateful I was and am for that patience and endurance. I was wrong to get distraught, and the Lord himself would deal with me about it. But I was quietly indulged until the time I could bear correction. As I look back on it now, I am completely satisfied with the Lord's choosing and working. Just before the capture by the Japanese, Catherine had a spiritual experience which prepared her to take it victoriously. Only God could have arranged that. 
Only he could have planned that our beloved Mrs. J.O. Fraser, with her three daughters, were interned along with Catherine and mothered her during those days of scarce mail and prolonged separation from us. Catherine was repatriated on the second mercy trip of the Grish home and took notice of the preserving care of God for them on their long trip past India and South America. The Grish home had a lighted cross at the top of the ship, and it seemed to be a 12-year-old symbol of the presence of Christ, leading them and protecting them. Arriving in America, she was taken into the home of George and Madeline Sutherland of the CIM home staff in Philadelphia. She was cared for like a daughter until we could return from China ourselves. The Sutherlands were friends of ours since Moody days, and they acted as Catherine's foster parents. In the goodness of God to us after our second furlough, I was with Catherine nearly two years before leaving again for another term in China. The Japanese war had left communications and travel so disrupted that women and children were not allowed back immediately. This lengthened my normal furlough span. And when we left her, she was again taken into the Sutherland's home, and during the difficult high school years, she had their love and guidance to help her. In 1950, I was back with her. The communists had taken over, and I had taken Danny and fled over through Burma. John stayed behind to help the church. By this time, Catherine was in Wheaton College, so we headed for Wheaton. Again, the Lord prolonged my stay with her into two years. I waited a year and a half for John to be released from China. Then he needed six months rest before our arduous pioneer work in Thailand began. God had seen to it that our girlie had her mother during the last two important college years. So the ticklish question of how to educate our daughter was solved step by step as it was submitted to him. We experienced long separations but we also spent two years of continual living together twice over. Just before we sailed for Thailand in 1952, we saw Kathy off at the Aldercombe, where she took a course in the Multnomah Bible School in Portland, Oregon. Kathy wanted some experience of life and business world without the shelter of a Christian home, so she accepted a teaching post at Grass Valley, Oregon. By the end of the year, she knew God wanted her on the mission field. So the next time she and I met... Our Kathy was an accepted candidate on the China Inland Mission. Out on the field in North Thailand, she met Don Rulison, M.A. and Master of Forestry. They became engaged and later married. As for God, his way is perfect. It's a small chapter that says what happened after. After World War II, John Kuhn was called back to China for an important tribal survey. Once again, John and Isabel faced the challenge of their motto, God first. John sailed alone. The Lord gave us 2 Corinthians 4.12, Isabel wrote. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We felt the separation meant death in the sense of breaking up our family life, but that the Lesu might gain spiritually. In 1947, Isabel returned to Lesu Lin with Danny. Only a year later, communists invaded Oak Flat Village where they had been staying. But by then, missionaries and Bible school had moved across the river. Isabel and Danny would not leave Lesulin until March the 10th, 1950, trekking over the western wall of China border mountains into Burma. She would never return. With China closed, the CIM began to move into new fields. The Coons were called to work among the tribes of North Thailand. Isabel would remain there until 1954 when cancer forced her to return to the United States. God would give her three more years and her beloved John would be at her side when it came time for her real home calling in March 20th, 1957. If I was ever near heaven, John said of her last moments, if I was ever conscious that death has lost its sting, it was then. 
I'll be spending my time in heaven, hanging over the ramparts, greedily watching north the Thailand, so that all the angels will see of me will be my hills. Not allowed? We'll see. Isabel Kuhn, letter dated January 28, 1956. That was a wonderful book, and that last chapter was very difficult, I think, for them with their, their children and being separated from the children. I think today they're, they've changed things up a little bit, and the children are with the parents doing homeschooling. And, but that was, you know, they were before the Lord on that, and, and the Lord blessed them in many ways with that. Now, this is the last book that we're going to read right now of Isabel Kuhn, but we are going to come back later and read some more books. She has stories about the Lesu people and and they're really wonderful books, and I want to read more of those books. But we are going to start reading a very short book. A dear brother gave me this book to look at, and I was really blessed by it. And it is called Saved at Sea, a Lighthouse Story by Mrs. O.F. Walton. It is published by Forgotten Books, which tells you that this is an old book, and I love old books. And one of the reasons I want to bring some of these old books back for people to be be able to listen to and, and to and to be blessed by. So we'll be reading that uh, next Saturday, which is New Year's Day. Uh, and by the time you're listening to this, it will be Christmas Day. And I wish you a blessed Christmas. And remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. We celebrate that God came down to this earth, born in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, came to this earth to walk on this earth to go to the cross. He had a purpose, and that was to go to the cross. And he took our sins upon him. And then he paid the debt that we couldn't pay. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus Christ is that perfect sacrifice. And it had to be God himself to do the work. What love, what love that we owe him, and yet he made a way through himself to provide that way that we would be with him forever. And I pray that you have, and he rose again. Let's not forget that. He rose again and he sits at the right hand of the Father, God the Father. He is God the Son. And he's given us God, the Holy Spirit within us, to remind us, to prod us, to encourage us, to uh, remind us of things that he has said to us. And I pray that you have believed and received the special gift that God gives to you of salvation. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And that peace can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ, believing and trusting in him. I love you. I'm praying for you. Merry Christmas. A blessed Christmas to you. And bye-bye for now.